Hi everyone, this is Deb from Dying to be Found. Before we get started, I just wanted to say that episodes contain disturbing discussions on harmful acts and crimes against animals and or humankind. Recordings are not intended for young or sensitive audiences due to the content nature of this podcast. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Hi everyone, my name is Deb. And I'm Shelby. We are so glad that you're here today at Dying to be Found. I will mention, if you are a regular listener, you may realize Beth has not been with us for a couple weeks, and that is because she is on a new venture, attempting to start a new business, and she's going to put her heart and soul into that. She shouldn't be gone long, but we will, of course, have a few fill-ins, but Shelby is here today. We always leave each of our episodes open to the interpretation of our listeners. And I'm not going to lie, Shelves, today's episode has a lot of interpretations. You all know I like to put everything into my research with every angle of our storylines to be sure that what we talk about holds the most utmost integrity. But there's a lot of speculation today coming from investigative agencies, plus even the news outlets. Likely, Shelby, because this case is so bizarre. And look at that. I'm already speculating here. I'm excited. Let's get started. Well, there's going to be somewhat of a blurred line in today's case, so I would love to know what our listeners think afterwards. DM us on Instagram or shoot us an email for sure. And besides that, we would love it if you could fill out a storyline request on our Linktree account, which you can find in our show notes. I do want to, as always, try to check in with my co-host, so I'm going to check in with my sweet daughter, Shelby, who holds the same fascination with true crime as I do. Shelby with cats. What is up? I can't wait to get started. Excellent. Okay. We are going to be talking about 31-year-old Henry McCabe, who disappeared, Shelby, under very mysterious circumstances. Henry was born and raised in Liberia, West Africa, and experienced living in a war-torn country for 14 years before immigrating to the United States. That has got to be difficult in itself. Mm-hmm. He was outgoing and personable and held an auditor position with the Minnesota Department of Revenue in Moundsview, Minnesota, which for our listeners, that's a metropolitan suburb of the Twin Cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul, Minnesota. Henry was just shy of his 32nd birthday and was married to Corrine McCabe for 11 years and had two beautiful daughters. Oh, Yeah. On September 6th, 2015, Corrine and the girls were out of town trying to tie up some loose ends on a big move the family was about to make from Minnesota to California. And Henry decided that this was a perfect time to go out clubbing with a couple of his buddies at Pavlitsky's Dance Club in Spring Lake Park, less than two miles from his home. Henry enjoyed that evening out, closing down the bar before heading out for the night. And as the group was leaving, Henry handed his keys over to his buddies so he would not drive and his wallet so that he would not buy any more alcohol. I mean, that's pretty responsible, isn't it? I agree. William Kennedy, one of the guys that Henry had been out with that night, drove Henry to a gas station per his request. But the gas station oddly, was in the opposite direction of his home. From my understanding, Shelby, the gas station was not an extremely long distance from Henry's home. 
but it would take him just a little while to walk if he had to, because after Henry was taken to the gas station, he told William to take off and he didn't need a ride home. Do you find anything unusual about that, Shelby, at this time of night? Uh, I do. He had given his wallet and keys to a friend. So why was he going to the gas station is what I'm wondering. Yeah, that too. And there, there, here we go. This is a speculation that even comes in from authorities. They're thinking, okay, it's two o'clock in the morning, 2.30. Why is he getting dropped off at a gas station? Right. Not only that, but he's in the opposite direction of where he lives. And why does he need to be dropped off and not taken home at that hour? Exactly. Yeah. Well, in the early morning hours, Hours of September 7th, 2015, at approximately 2.28 a.m., his wife, Corrine, received a terrifying voicemail on her cell phone. And for two long minutes, Henry or someone calling from Henry's phone left a very bizarre message with indecipherable noises. And I did place the full version of this voicemail in our show notes. It's the only YouTube video link that you are going to see, but I decided not to include this in our recording today because if you were to listen to it, Shelbs, it is a little disturbing. What could be heard on that voicemail was Henry whimpering and what sounded to be like painful cries. There was also weird growling and toward the end of the voicemail, someone yelled, stop it, before a couple seconds of silence and then the line went dead. How weird is that? Just a lot of garbled noises. That is very bizarre. Yeah. Although the entire voicemail had not been released, Henry could be heard saying that he was caught in a struggle and had been shot. That in itself is very weird. Yeah, sounds like he was trying to call for help. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And at some point in time, Henry could be heard saying the word Pappas during this recording, which... This could be a pretty big clue, and I'm not going to tell you exactly why at this very moment, but that word pappus is going to come into play in just a little bit. Now, this is me speculating. I wonder if that has something to do, maybe it's a, like a phrase from his home country of West Africa. Yeah, a phrase. That's a good speculation there. Well, this recording had been sent to the FBI for further analysis, but to date since, what did I say, 2015? Yes. So to date, since 2015, there is no further information on who may have left this message or the true meaning behind it. And that's the mysterious part of this whole case is that not the authorities, not the FBI, not the local police, nobody has a good indication as to any information or meaning behind this voicemail. It is. After a thorough search of Henry's cell phone records, authorities noted that pings from Henry's cell phone showed that he was at some point in the vicinity of Creekview Park in New Brighton, Minnesota, the night he disappeared. And I did look all this up. I wanted to give our listeners, plus you, Shelby, a little bit of a visual on exactly where he was in the geographical region. These areas are between four and six minutes. I would say a four and six minute drive from Moundsview, where Henry lived. And I'm mentioning this because I want you to understand how close Henry is to his own home. Even if it's walking distance, in a car, four or six minutes, 
minutes. I would say that the drive is short and it should probably not have taken Henry any more than 20 minutes to walk home. That is very close to his home. Mm-hmm. Henry had made a total of three calls that night within 30 minutes of each other. One was to a friend whom Henry had told he was at home. So the friend said, well, okay, you're home, but it sure doesn't sound like it. Cell phone towers pinged in Fridley, which was 10 minutes away. It also pinged in Spring Lake Park, about four minutes away. And then also in New Brighton, six minutes away. So these are all separate towns, Shelby. And there was no way that Henry would be able to move from all of these locations without being in a vehicle. No further activity occurred on his cell phone or credit cards after he disappeared and someone, Shelby, had disconnected his phone after Henry disappeared. How odd is that? Absolutely. Yeah, this seems to be a little more personal. Yeah, not only that, I think that cell phone companies have a process. You can't just disconnect somebody's phone. You have to tell or at least prove who you are to say that you are the person shutting down that line. So that makes no sense. Right. Yeah. Well, on November 2nd, 2015, a kayaker out of Rice Creek Park in New Brighton, Minnesota, just north of Mounds View, came across a body floating face down on Rush Lake approximately six miles from where Henry had been dropped off. News agencies followed this story, stating that Rush Lake is just minutes away on foot from Henry's home, so it would not be difficult for him to make his way there. Sure, so he wanted to take a midnight stroll. The area where Henry was recovered contained dense foliage, so some speculations out there state how Henry may have gotten tangled if he were near the water and had been drinking too much. Now, remember, he went out with his friends that night. Yeah, that's so sad. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the autopsy. The body found by the kayaker turned out to be that of Henry McCabe, but according to the medical examiner, decomposition was so advanced that it took them two days to positively identify him. I had no idea that it would take that long. Wow. Henry's body showed no signs of struggles, no injuries, nor foul play that could have caused his death, like the gunshot wounds mentioned during that voicemail that he had left on his wife's phone. Yeah, I was just about to ask. Yeah. So how odd is that? That is extremely odd. Mm -hmm. The medical examiner ruled Henry's death as an accidental drowning, and this case remains open with additional theories pointing to suicide or homicide. Basically, Shelby, there is no ruling other than accidental death at this point. So that's kind of where the the oddness comes in in this case, is that you've got this weird voicemail coming through, and it's a two-minute voicemail. And there's all these things that are being said on there, but then how did he end up over there in the water? And he's got no marks on him. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. I think the voicemail definitely stands out. I just find it interesting that the medical examiner didn't find, you know, any markings on his body so it makes me wonder maybe he accidentally tripped and maybe fell into the water hit his head I I, I don't know so true yeah 
Well, family members, including Henry's wife, Corrine, adamantly deny that Henry was suicidal. He held a successful job, never gave any indications that he would ever try to harm himself. Corrine firmly believes that whoever called her from Henry's phone in the early morning hours was that of her husband. Now, the chief executive of Minnesota Community Policing is a little bit different from the regular police department, Shelby. It's an advocating agency that partners with local police who specifically serve the Liberian community. They do not believe that Henry died by accidental drowning. There are a few theories out there that authorities believe could connect Henry's death to suspicious activity. Before I go over this, though, I wanted to note that I couldn't find anything in my research to link any of these connections. So this is really where a lot of the speculation comes in from authorities and all, you know, even the medical examiner's office. Yeah, this is a very bizarre story. Mm-hmm. All right. So theory number one, which I'm going to bring in the Coalition for Justice of Liberia. And I tried to look up information on this group. And according to the IRS, it does exist as a not-for-profit organization, but there was not a ton of links that could give any information on their mission or cause. So, you know, I wanted to give our audience a little bit of information about this Coalition for Justice, but I really couldn't find a ton of information. So hopefully you guys will have better luck if you choose to go look that up. The Coalition for Justice in Liberia did, however, stand up for the injustices and compromise of freedoms that Liberian citizens endured during a 14-year civil war between the years of 1989 and 1996. And this is considered to be one of Africa's bloodiest wars, and they even used child soldiers for their agenda, Shelby. What do you think of that? That's awful. I thought we were leaving children out of this today. No, it is really, really bad. Does that remind you of anything? Who else used children? Do you know? Who else used children? Who else used children for their political agendas? What country do you... You probably won't remember. I actually, when I was in Washington, D.C., I I got a little refresher course on this. Oh, no, I don't... Adolf Hitler. Oh. World War II. Oh, wow. No, I, I... Don't think I would have known that. He really, really went after kids and with his agenda so that as they aged, you know, when you start kids young and you're teaching them certain doctrines, then you're going to believe that. Yeah, that's why I mentioned that. Now, I mentioned Henry had immigrated to America during this time of that civil war. To give you a perspective on this, Henry was amongst 200,000 Liberians who became refugees and were displaced into different countries. So I will say this, I do remember back in the day when I was working in the corporate world, we hired a lot of people from Liberia at that time. And I do know for a fact that some of them had paperwork showing that they were refugees. So being ignorant of the fact of really what was going on back then, I'm going to say that some of the people that the company I worked for, they probably hired some of these displaced citizens. The Coalition for Justice in Liberia quickly became involved in Henry's case because Henry was an activist for their organization before immigrating to the United States. According to the coalition, 
Henry could have succumbed to ties associated with violent groups out of Liberia and connected to the Civil War agenda. And these groups were known to kill senselessly and with no remorse. Didn't matter where they were. If they were in the United States and they had the right ties, they would come after anyone. The coalition believes that the Liberian militia may have come after Henry because he was very vocal about what was happening in his home country and those Civil War efforts. The Minnesota Community Policing Services is partnering with Minnesota Police to work with the Liberian community in Minnesota and is offering a $5,000 reward for any information leading to an arrest in Henry's case. So that's good. They have advocates working on this case, so hopefully they will find some closure on this. Yeah. There's not a whole lot of substance to these connections between Henry and the Liberian Civil War groups, but it's definitely food for thought, and the Coalition for Justice in Liberia felt that there was enough activity for them to get involved with Henry's case. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think it's a very interesting theory. I'm curious to know how he was being vocal about what was happening in Liberia, and I think that would maybe make this theory make a little more sense to me, just in you know in the manner of how he was killed and what the, the medical examiner said. I just feel like if the groups out of Liberia, if they're saying that they're so violent, I feel like his death would have been more violent, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But according to the voicemail, if you were to listen to it, you would think he died a violent death for sure. But that's where the controversy comes in because he was found with no marks on him. Well, I'll have to go listen to that. Yeah, that's where things get really interesting here. Well, theory number two involves one of Henry's friends named William Kennedy, and police interviewed William, who was also from Liberia, which I thought was interesting. That is interesting. I wonder if they were refugees together and and came over together. Interesting question, because William stated that he was just a mere acquaintance. I'm sure because there was a Liberian community in the area that Henry was living, they probably met each other through that community. And William did state that he was just an acquaintance. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. So William stated that he was just a mere acquaintance because I would assume with the area that Henry lived, there was a Liberian community. So I'm sure that they met each other through whatever activities were going on in their town. But William stated that their group, including Henry, stayed until the bar had closed that night. Then around 2.28 a.m., he had dropped Henry off at a Super America gas station in the opposite direction from where Henry lived. The police reviewed Super America gas station surveillance footage, but they did not show any evidence that Henry was on the premises the night he disappeared. William came across as somewhat confused and later stated that he dropped Henry off at a different gas station, but was not sure which one. Police were able to find footage at Holiday Gas Station off of Central Ave and Hackman Avenue, approximately five minutes away from the Super America gas station. Now, I will tell you this, Shelby, 
I saw the pictures of both of these stations and to me, they actually looked rather similar as far as the size, the makeup, the color schemes of both gas stations, very, very similar. And if these guys were clubbing and out drinking, do you think it might be possible that William might've mixed the gas stations up? If he was slightly under the influence, do you think there's a possibility of that? Oh, absolutely. It seems like they were drinking for quite some time, so I would imagine it might have been difficult for him to remember which gas station they were at. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, remember when I mentioned that the voicemail, someone said the word Pappas? I do, and I've been waiting on the answer to this. (laughs) Okay, well, William Kennedy's nickname was Pappas. What do you think of that? Oh, wow. Also, remember when I mentioned that Henry's buddies took his car keys and wallet so that Henry wouldn't drive? Yes. William was in possession of those car keys. I mean, it's not odd to me. He didn't want to drive home. I don't know. It's interesting. It it doesn't seem odd to me because Henry gave him the keys. True. He gave him the keys, but how is he going to get into his house? What do you usually have on your keychain? Car keys? What else? Oh, yeah. Yeah, your house key. So at some point in time, you would think that William probably should have taken him all the way home. Otherwise, Henry would not be able to get into his own house. That's very true. Yeah. I wonder if maybe an argument had started between the two of them. No idea. I I can't say that that happened simply because the police were able to find that footage from the other gas station. And there was no mention of that. So I think that William was just doing the right thing. If you asked somebody just to drop you off, you'd find your way home. Maybe you wanted to take that midnight stroll. Would you just leave your buddy there? Would you just let somebody drive away? Would you let somebody drop you off? Well, let me do this from the driver's perspective. If we went out for the night and you wanted to be dropped off, never mind that we're related here and I love you deeply and I would never leave you out in those conditions, but would you leave somebody behind? He could have possibly forgotten that he had those keys. Absolutely not. Not at not at two thirty in the morning. I know. See, that's where the the oddness comes into me. So let me talk about some additional findings from police investigations. To me, they don't really hold up much for anything except for maybe this first one, and I'll I'll explain as to why I'm not going to agree with a lot of these speculations. Police continue to investigate the mysterious case of Henry McCabe and found out that some of his friends were using encrypted cell phone numbers. That's interesting. It is interesting. I don't find this to be too out of the ordinary, Shelby, but here's why. You know our family members are scattered all around the world, and it's virtually impossible to communicate over cell phones or direct lines because of the expense. I do. Well, do you use WhatsApp? I do not, but I've heard of it. Okay, well, I use it to communicate with Aunt Beth in Canada. Today, you can actually do voice calls and video calls on that app. So it's just like FaceTime or anything, any of these other apps that you're going to do video calls. And WhatsApp encrypts messages between the callers so that you can call or video anyone in the world. So if Henry's friends were using any kind of encrypted numbers on their phones, they could have easily been using some kind of app that's similar or it could have been WhatsApp but 
anything that allowed them to talk to people overseas like I do. That's why I don't see that that's really out of the ordinary. No, it doesn't seem very out of the ordinary at all. Mm -mm. In case you don't know this, many of our cell phones have that encryption feature. You would just need to go to your settings. But in the meantime, I use other apps or other services that have encryption as well, just to keep things a little bit more secure. That's interesting. I did not know that. Yeah. Example, ProtonMail. If you have any emails that you want encrypted, then you should be using that service as well. There were also other speculations in Henry's death, but I found very little to give substance to these theories. For example, Henry and his wife were having marital problems, which was causing Henry to act a little more recklessly than he usually would. And another theory, Shelby, which I thought was somewhat interesting, is that Henry was attacked by a wild animal, and that's where those weird growling noises came in on the voicemail. But where are the marks? Exactly. Henry's autopsy concluded that he did not have any signs of trauma or physical attacks. You can assume, too, that that would include animal bites or scratches. I would think so. I mean, I was wondering maybe a a snake bite or possibly a spider. I mean, I, I don't know. It's a good question. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a weird one. And Aunt Beth, this one's for you. If you are listening, some say that something supernatural occurred and Henry met his fate with something supernatural. I don't know if you believe in that, Shelby. I do. 100%. Really? Yes. 100%. Really? That's interesting. Do you have experiences? Or are you just from what you've seen and learned over the years? I don't, but I uh, I like to watch um, videos on, you know, Facebook or YouTube about that kind of stuff. So yeah, I, 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 I believe in it. Yeah, I actually do to a certain extent as well. Side note, people, here we go. I'd love to tell my stories. Remember that old farmhouse that I used to live in before you were born? Yes, I do. Yeah, well, I was sitting on the front porch there talking to your dad, and I think... Some weird flying thing from the sky came into view and hovered for what seemed to be like 10 minutes because while we were sitting there talking, it just hovered. I would compare it to something like you would see with a drone. You know how they can just stay in one spot? Yeah. Well, I was looking up and watching it. And I was really distracted by it. I was, I even asked a couple times, what is that thing? I specifically remember saying, what is that? And Shelby, I went into the house to grab a camera. And as soon as I came out to take a picture, it took off. So how weird is that? Wow, that is weird. You haven't told me that story before. Hold on. Sorry. Hold on. No problem. I really needed to think of stories when Shelby gets distracted here. I'm going to have to write some of these down for the future. (sighs) All right. Sorry. No worries. I wonder if dad remembers this story. I don't know. You'll have to ask him. I will. You might want to remind him this was in the early 90s because I suppose it could have been a government aircraft. I'm not really sure why it would be in my area, but if not, it was definitely a UFO and I'm here to tell the story. (laughs) That's interesting. Thank you for sharing. See, you're learning a little bit more about your mother, aren't you? I am. She (laughs) believes in UFOs. (laughs) (laughs) To an extent. To an extent. Because I have no verification that that was a UFO. All right. 
Other theories included the idea that Henry was facing trouble at work, meaning that he was showing low performance reviews, and he may have also been experiencing some money problems in which he was trying to find a way out of. And last but not least, some say that several of the noises heard on Henry's voicemail could possibly occur while someone was overdosing. I thought that was quite interesting. Oh, that is interesting. I hadn't thought of that. I know. And I'm not really sure I believe it, but is any of this case believable at this point? No. I know, right? But it seems to me like he was found, what was it, maybe a month or so after he had originally went missing. And I don't really know from experience, but I believe that certain drugs only stay in your system for, I don't know, so many days or do you know what I'm saying? So I agree with you with what you just said, but that would be only in the case, Shelby, if you have a heartbeat. I think that once your heart stops, absolutely everything shuts down. So I would think that the autopsy would show that he had drugs in his system. And there was nothing in my reports that stated that he had any kind of drugs when he had that, when the autopsy took place. Oh, yeah. Interesting. That would make sense. Again, I'm not a medical doctor, but it could be. Who knows? In a nutshell, that's the mysterious events of Henry McCabe. If you or someone you know has information on Henry's case, please contact the Mounds View Police Department at 763-717-4070 or the Ramsey County Sheriff's Office at 651-767-0640. So there you have it. That's Henry McCabe. I do hope someone comes forward. I do. Well, thank you for sharing. Yeah. It's, I mean, the case is only from 2015, so there's still hope. Yeah, not even 10 years ago. Yeah, not even. So, yeah, I think that there's still a lot of wiggle room where we can certainly find some answers. I know that his wife really, really would love to see if this case can be closed so that she can have closure. And daughters, too. Oh, gosh, yes. So that's Henry McCabe. All right. Do you have a teachable moment for us today? I do. I think the best thing that I can say here is that William Kennedy and his buddies did the right thing by taking Henry's keys away. We should always make sure that our friends arrive alive. And I kind of touched on this already, Shelby. I don't think that given the geographics of where William dropped Henry off was too alarming, given that he was probably just within a mile or two radius of his home. However, it's important to use your own judgment and ask questions or even insist on driving friends the entire distance home. My example here is it was 2.30 in the morning when Henry was dropped off at the gas station. Plus, you know that he was inebriated or else his friends wouldn't have taken his keys and wallet away. So my question here is, why was Henry dropped off? Did he want a midnight snack? Who knows? Long story short, Shelby, I don't think William did anything wrong, and neither did the police because they cleared him of any wrongdoing, but we definitely need to be aware of our friends' conditions after a night out before leaving them unaccompanied in the wee hours of the morning. So that's my teachable moment. Yeah, I totally agree. I am one if I ever go out with friends. I always ask them to text me or call me as soon as they get home just so that I know that they're okay it's all a mystery and there's 
nothing more that we can say here other than I really hope that the family finds closure to this and there we have it. All right. Well, that is it. And thanks for listening to Dying to be Found. Before we go, we would love for you to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Pinterest at Dying to be Found. You can access our website, email, social media, and storyline request form by clicking on our Linktree account found in our show notes. If you like our episodes, consider buying us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash Dying to be Found. Spelled just like you see it on our logo. Feel free to message us on Instagram and let us know how we're doing or if you'd like a sticker. With that, be sure to check us out every Thursday wherever you get your podcasts. We will talk to you all next week.